cash flow. I need it on time. I'm talking bankroll. My money, my money, my money, cash flow. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, thank you so much for opening it. That's a first. Nobody's done that one. All right. Out of almost 200 shows, man, nobody's done that, and I like it. I know we've had a lot of tracks that people keep on sharing, which is really good, but it's nice to hear a fresh track here and there, man. It was either that or jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> and I said, no, forget it's that. It's the time of the season, <laughs> right? It's the time of the year. So, Matthew, I, I got I'm impressed with the office, man. The office space is nice. I, I totally dig the wall. Thanks, brother. So uh, we have a. This was inspired by a local graffiti artist. Nice. And he's local to Vaughn. And basically, you know, you have the typical office where you have like the 3D logo on the wall. That's what I had in my old office. Yeah. And I said, I don't want that. I said, I want high end finishes, modern look, and then something to just bring it all down again. More mellow, fun, creative. Yeah. You know, inspiring. And the idea is that I I, I dig all this stuff. Sometimes I got to walk around Toronto just to appreciate some of this stuff. Yeah. Because they get rid of it. Exactly. And I hate that they get rid of it, right? Because this is art. In my opinion, this is art. I think so too. So we actually, (laughs) at our grand opening, if you see all the congratulations and things people wrote, that was not originally part of it. I, I am very nostalgic and I, I said, what are we going to get our clients to sign so I could remember this day, this event by? That's how, that's how we do it. And this is perfect. I said, sign the wall. That's yeah. perfect, man. So everybody left their mark. <laughs> okay. So Matthew, let's get on with the show. I want to, what are we going to talk about today? A uh, bunch of little things, but a lot of big things. You know, as, as we were like planning this and I was thinking about it, we could go anywhere. We could, we could talk about anything. But one of the things I want to tell your listeners, uh, because a lot of your listeners are in the construction space. Yes. We have a lot of clients in that space. Those are my favorite clients. And the reason why is because construction is in such high demand. That, the last two years. Yeah. That these people are getting paid well. Most of them are maybe part of the union. And they they understand like what it takes to fix a property or or whatnot. So they're the perfect candidates for real estate investing. And I think maybe we should go down that road. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. So I, first, I want to give a shout out to Alonzo from Clueless Framer. He's the one that introduced me to you. I didn't even know you until he mentioned it. And so shout out to him. And then here we go, Alonzo. This show is basically for you, man, and everybody like you. So hopefully you get a lot out of it. We're going to ask as many questions as possible and present as much as we possibly can. Yep. So right off the bat, so Millennials Choice Group of Companies. That's what you guys are. That's it. Okay. You're the owner founder. 10 years. You've been doing it for 10 years. And the website is www.millennialschoice.com email is m-a-b-l-a-k-a-n mm-hmm. at millennialschoice.ca and on instagram it's matthew how do you pronounce your last name ablakan ablakan so it's a-b-l-a-k-a-n guys yeah all right so on with the show matthew let's right. start talking about it i know before the mics were rolling you were hinting at that you you got terry on approved you got you're ready you're ready to start being like producing yeah so over the last 12 months i was you know i i've been working with developers for the last 10 years in my real estate career so part of me always has that mindset of like why can't i do this and that's kind of why we've built a group of companies so i got into real estate i brought on mortgage services i brought insurance services but the only reason i i brought mortgage services on is in my first year of real estate i was killing it but i was losing deals because of financing and i my parents, just to backtrack, came to the country in the mid-80s. Uh, they left a socialist, communist regime <laughs> to come for a better life. And it, it is it has been a better life, truly. They built what they have. 
they have their two sons, my brother and I, and we were, we are now building off of that foundation. Nice. So we don't have any connections. Like getting into real estate in my family was like, why you, well, like everybody does real estate. Like, why are you doing real estate? You guys right? are the first. Yeah. And, and my parents are old school, like go to university, do that. So I was in university. I graduated uh, and I got my license while I was in university. But the reason I loved it so much, I used to work at a place called Johnny Rockets. Are, are you familiar with Burger that? Place. Burger Place. Yeah. yeah. Old fashioned diner. Yeah. 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 So I used to work in that in Von Mills Mall. And um, I was also working at the bowling alley called Lucky Strikes. Okay. While I was in school, because yeah. serving jobs, in my opinion, still are the best to pay for tuition while you're a student. And I, I'm like working. I'm in two degrees. I'm, I'm my undergrad is in law. I'm doing teachers college at York. I'm like, how do you people survive? I'm earning 20K, 25K, like max with all my tips and everything. How do people survive off this? So I started learning about, you know, the light bulb moment, making money work for you. And the only two ways that I learned was was stocks. And real estate and stocks are not for me. Volatile. No control, manipulated. <laughs> not for me. So I've lost in it before, and oh, I'm sure I'm not here. the only monkey that has lost before. So yeah, it's very viral. You, you gotta it's not even a twenty four hour day job. It's like a forty eight hour day job. Like yeah. you have to pay attention to it. And you know, when you have companies like we saw earlier this year, like AMC, uh, what was the other one? GameStop. GameStop or and yeah. and that uh, proved to Wall Street what can happen if you Get enough people behind you. Exactly. So even though the company's fundamentals are shit and, you know, it's not worthwhile to invest to anybody on paper, look what happens. So I don't like that. I like some sort of control. And that's where real estate really attracted me. And I couldn't qualify for a mortgage. I couldn't buy anything today. I had no money. I had like uh, 15 grand and five grand was uh, was my money. And then Credibility grand- wise, you weren't you weren't attractive to the institutions. no. At no, all. Not at all. Just because of what? Because of lack of income and your age. Lack of income, age, down payment, mm. any like and, and and the job. So so a lot of people don't get is like, oh, I'm working, I'm making a hundred K, but what do you do as a job? Some some banks don't like certain industries. So you know, contra- which industries are those? Commission based, like real estate. <laughs> they don't like those, eh? No, because you might have a good year this year, next year. Well, in construction, they don't like us either because a lot of people like to pay as little as possible to themselves. But then what happens is it bites them in the, you know, later on, because guess what? You're only making 25K a year on paper. I have a solution for those guys. We could talk about it. Let's talk about it. Long story short, I end up uh, learning about real estate. This is uh, 11 years ago. So I'm going to build their sales offices, talking to realtors. First time. This is you. First time. Never been. Don't know anybody. Yeah. You're you're literally like pounding the pavement, knocking the doors. Yeah. Well, there was no, like YouTube wasn't as popular. There's no podcasting. Yeah. There's no podcasting. So I'm learning about pre-construction real estate. How does it work? Deposits, down payments, closing. I ended up buying my first condo at 19 and I used part of my OSAP loan, not the loan itself, but the bursaries they gave me Yeah. and part of the money I had saved at the restaurants. And I had a very flexible deposit structure. I basically had to pay 15 grand in six months. I already had that 15 grand, six months after that. And then uh, 15 grand, six months after that. And then the last 15, whenever I get the keys. So I was getting my real estate license. I said, I got the 15. I'm going to secure it. 
The 15 after that, I'm going to make some deals and I'm going to I'm going to have it. That's the mentality. A, a lot of people don't do that, but that's what I want to do. How big was the condo and how much was the condo? I still own it today. It's 617 square feet. I paid 305,000 for it in 2012 in Vaughn. And the it, value of it, can you share? Six, yeah, 600,000 now. It's doubled. Nice. Nice. Uh, doubled for me. I still own it. I never sold any of my properties that I bought. It's just passive income. Passive income. It's rented. Yeah. And my wife and I live somewhere else, but it's rented. Yeah. Nice. It's actually the first of the month. I haven't gotten my rent yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. So, so that must have been a little daunting. Nineteen years old, buying this, but then you just you're motivated that I'll get that payment in six months. I'll get that amount taken care of. I'll figure it out how to do it. Yeah. What happened was we we had another project in Richmond Hill that I was looking at. And I had a realtor friend of mine who came over. He showed the project to myself and my mom. We're very family oriented. So out of respect, culturally, we involve the parents, even though there's no financial support. And honestly, in this case, there was no mental support either. Because <laughs> my mom, when that guy left, my mom's like, uh, just save your money, let it build, whatever. The guy left. Uh, two to three weeks later, he, he messaged me saying, hey, the condos went up like 15, 20 grand. You missed out. That's what sparked the flame to say, I'm I'm doing this and I'm not telling the parents about it. So I was going through some like... The parents were against it? Yes, because two reasons. One, it's very um, shameful if you leave the home without being married. So okay. they thought I was going to so live in So we're old school it. here. This is old school. But I'm an old school millennial. Man. Yeah, yeah, old school. Okay. All I'm right. a millennial. It's millennial. I'm choice, familiar with school. that, but I turned my back on that. Well, that's right. what I did too. <laughs> I, I turned, so I had to not involve them. Yeah. I went to a real estate office that I later joined and I was with them my entire career until I opened up Millennials Choice. And I said to the guy, look, uh, I can afford this, but this is the deposit plan that I need. I won't negotiate the price. I won't negotiate anything else. The guy looked at me. I was 19, no beard, skinnier. He's like, where's your parents? I'm like, they're not involved in this. He goes, you have checks? I go, yeah, I got checks which I didn't have checks. And I went up to RBC Bank, which was up the street. They gave me temporary checks. I only needed three of them. Went back and we did the, de we did the deal. So was that you, Matthew, on you that you figured out the deposit schedule, like the deposit strategy? Instead of giving them what they wanted at first, you came up with a, a payment deposit plan? Yeah, because the two years prior to that, I was going up to Innisville. I was going up to other builder sales offices learning about these things. So I, every builder was different. Every project was different. I could have bought a house in Innisville uh, 10, 11 years ago for 360000 from country homes with a $5,000 deposit. I didn't because I didn't want to buy so rural, like such a rural area that would take so much time to grow. Yeah. But also, the lady had told me the houses are going to be built next year. There was no way I was getting a mortgage. The condo was going to be ready a few years later. I ended up, when I spoke to the broker of record that was in charge... I had that in mind already after reviewing everything at home saying, this is the only way I'm going to make it work. So when I told him that and he said, go get your checks, I said, shake my hand. I'm old school. If you shake my hand, it's a deal. I'm going to go get the checks. He did. I, I left, went to get the checks, came back down and... And then I, I bought the condo. Done. The deal was done. Wow. August, Congrats, man. Uh, thank you. I think August 20th, 2012 or something like that. 19 years old. It's good for our listeners to hear that, man. Yeah. Smart, smart. But you have to also remember, like, I was in, I was in school. I had two degrees. I had a couple of jobs. I ended up becoming a realtor, and I no longer worked those part-time jobs. I quit them cold. That's the mentality. Like, I, a lot of people would say, well, no, you get your license. That's your side hustle until you. No, I, it was a Monday. Both jobs gone. 
no two weeks notice. You just made the decision. Yeah. And, and I, I waited for them after their, I got licensed at the end of October. Uh, I waited for them because the mall is really busy around this time anyway. So I, I did that. I made some money. I did that. I helped them out during their busy season. And I left. As were soon the as other did. jobs mental anchors? And that's the reason why you were just determined that yeah. I got to let them go. Yeah, They're yeah. done. When they asked, one of them asked me for two weeks notice. We were all very cordial and friendly. I said, I've been, with all due respect, I've been giving you two weeks notice in my head. For the last like few years, I would look up in the morning at the popcorn ceiling in, in my mom's house in my room on a Saturday at 9 a.m. After I just got home at like 3, 3 a.m. to now I have to go back to the to the open up the, sh the kitchen and I'm looking at it and I'm saying, this is the day that I don't even walk in. Hmm. I don't even tell them I'm not coming in. Who cares? And I still did it because I had to. No one paid for my tuition. I had to pay for it. Uh, no one handed me anything. I was taking the bus to school or borrowing my parents car. I would sometimes I wouldn't even want to spend the three dollars and twenty five cents on a bus ticket. I'd walk home from Von Mills to to my mom's just house just to save the money, just to save it. Like you're, you, know, you, you realize, Matthew, you're not the typical millennial. No, I know stereotypical. That. I know that. I'm just saying. Yeah. I I wait for millennials to say it because if I say it, I'm a Gen X. So if I say it, then I'm an a hole for saying it. Right. That's the problem with it. But you're not the typical. So congrats on that, man. Yeah, thank you. And till this day, uh, 10 years into it, we have a portfolio of um, almost 17 million now. Nice. You don't see me in a Ferrari. You don't see me in a Porsche. I drive a Volkswagen Atlas. It's a beautiful car. Uh, plan, you know, hopefully we have kids soon. So it's a perfect car for my Plan. Wife and the You're kids. planning everything. You're planning. But I'm not going to go do stupid things and go spend money on, on a truck that I don't need to if I, for a job if it doesn't make sense. I'm not going to go spend money on a Rolex just to sit in a meeting with with a, a builder who's probably wearing jeans anyway, yeah. like like we're wearing now, like just down to earth yeah. and, and try to flash and show the Rolex. Like I'm not doing that, those stupid things. And I'm also not partying on the weekend. I never went to clubs, never got things like that. I was never into that. I like investing. I like one day where you're doing your podcast, you have your business, I have my business, but I don't have to work to, to pay the bills. Like I'm doing it because I love doing it. That's That's the goal. That's the goal here. Good for you, man. Yeah. All right. So I want to get into all of this. I mean, so you, what else are you doing that's attractive to the construction industry, to millennials? What what are they all doing wrong? I guess because you actually have to see what they're doing wrong for you to figure out what to do right. Yeah. I would say if I had to point like to one thing, I really want to like. And I want to group myself in there it. too. Listen, yeah, yeah. Gen X's were not perfect. I think in all fairness, baby boomers were possibly closer to perfection. They kind of figured out, but they were given a history, I guess, or a present that was different at the time. Yeah. Right. And now it's it's much different times. So it's like I, I still want to group myself into that whole thing. Gen X, millennials, Gen Z now, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. So they say that it's getting worse and worse with each generation. What are we doing wrong? Well, I think it's the the mindset, like the mindset in terms of short term gain versus long term gain. So. I just mentioned to you the first condo, like if you t want me to tell you about it, I'll know all the details, 617 square feet, all these things that I bought it 10 years ago. It's the mindset. So for those of those people in the construction industry, buying homes that are, they, they managed to get homes in this, in this supply crunch, they could renovate them, do what they got to do. And then they're flipping them. Why are you flipping the asset? I've always said in the last two, three years, I've been approached a number of times to flip and I've just looked at everything and it made no sense. And then when we saw construction materials go through the literally roof last year and the beginning of this year, it made no sense that you, you flipping was not the correct thing to do. It was right. obtaining the asset first 
and going from there. But now we're talking about a generation. You're a 25 year old and you're looking at homes that are a million plus with the deposit of 200 plus. How are they supposed to pull that off when you're okay? So let's say you're you're a successful tradesperson. You're making 100 K a year. Hopefully, it, most of it is on the books, so mm-hmm. then it's legitimate, so you look attractive to the lenders. How are they supposed to actually purchase that million-dollar property? Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not supposed to. What maybe, are they supposed to be looking at? What kinds of properties? Maybe they're supposed to just look at real estate in, in a completely different light and just treat it like you would treat any other investment. And the purpose is, how do you make money with this? How can I now have a secondary source of income? So, for example, those guys... They're in the best position to buy something brand new from a reputable developer. It's going to be ready in four years. They don't, they don't need the money up front. They don't need to get a mortgage. They don't need to worry about anything. Go spend 400, 500K on a condo. Adjust the, adjust the expectation. What are some of the numbers when it comes to, because I've, I've been researching recently a lot of pre-sale yes. and that whole period, and it looks extremely attractive. Well, we've been doing it for, like I said, for 10 years. All I bought was pre-construction, and I had a lot of realtors, a lot of uh, even flippers, a lot of wholesalers, construction guys that didn't want to do pre-construction because they wanted something rented right away, generating uh, rental income and all that. Okay, that's good, but it's you still have to take on the debt and have all the money to close the deal. Some of us don't. So now it's becoming a trend. But guess what? I'm involved with a lot of builders that I've been building relationships with for 10 years to try to get units and, and stuff like that. Now it's hard for even guys like me who have relationships with these guys to get inventory. We just sold a project a couple of weeks ago, downtown Burlington by a uh, carriage gate homes. How many units? It was about, I think, 300 units that they released okay. in one building. They sold out all of the units that they had put out there in a day. Wow. And then we went to Highland Commons by Altry Developments, uh, Zef Mandelbaum, and we went there. They had, uh, I think, just around 220 units or something like that. They, were, they told me they were 90% sold also in one day. And we have clients. We have clients that buy this stuff. All the time. Like when we go into a building, we will go to Manny, we'll go to all my clients. Hey, who wants to buy one of these things? We generate 20 to 30 like purchasers. That's We've been doing this for 10 years now. So I can't get units. I can't get units for everybody. Is this going on everywhere, everywhere. Matthew? Like it's all over Toronto, the greater Toronto area. It's going even further out. It's Hamilton. Is it like it's everywhere? everywhere it's we just closed a deal today in Hamilton. Uh, last week in Hamilton, bidding wars, and you know, and you know how we get. You're still getting bidding wars in pre-construction. No, no, sorry, not pre-construction. Okay. Uh, resale in resale. the market. Okay. But with pre-construction, there's there's no bidding war. It's kind of like first come first serve. But then the builder, remember, it's a business. So like the builder has like 20 or 30 guys like me, girls like me. He wants to make sure. She wants to make sure that we're all looked after. So now instead of us getting 20 deals, you know, in this building, we're getting two, three, four each. So what do I do with my 10 to 15 other clients? There's people in Toronto going to Calgary for that. So so we just got licensed. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, because you can't do it across the country. You have to do it provincially, right? Exactly. Okay. So so we, I shouldn't say we got licensed. We're working on it. It's almost done. We got all the educational requirements completed to be licensed as a brokerage in Alberta. The whole province. Because is the market there just as like crazy as it here, or is it? It's picking up because you're getting a lot of outside investors coming in. But I'll put it to you this way: if you wanted to go to their Yorkville and buy a pre-construction condo, it's it's more than half the price of our Yorkville. So it's it's 
It's, it's not bad, but it's man. a long-term play. It's a long-term play. You got to hang on to it. So, okay, give me, give me, let's, let's talk to the listeners about what are some of the numbers here? You got pre-construction, you got a unit, pick whichever unit you're interested in. Let's talk about the numbers. What are they expecting? Condos, typically the builder requires a 20% deposit. All right. And it's, it's split up in different ways, depending on the project and the builder. If you buy something for half a million dollars, let's use round numbers. That's a hundred grand. 20% is a hundred grand. And it's spread out into payments, usually of like four payments, 25 grand, and it's spread out. Over what the I, course of... That's the thing. Some builders will, will be aggressive. They want it in, in a year. Some builders builders will stretch it out over two years. Some builders might want 10% in the first year, 5% second year, 5% when you get the keys. So my suggestion to any of your listeners, have if you have 40 to 50 grand, you could get into the market now. What's the rule of thumb with the builders that they can't... Uh, what is it? There's a certain percentage of the units have to be sold before they actually can, be, can begin construction, right? Yeah, typically 60 to 70%. 60, 70%. Yeah. Okay. And then that's when the process starts. And then uh, how long does it normally take? Let's say a 300 unit condo. How long does that normally take for full construction for people to move in? Right now, they're they're estimating them to be four years out. I, I anticipate that's because, or I expect that's because of the, the, the delays because of COVID. But um, four years... Uh, normally you'd see three years for a building like that, like a single building. But the problem is it's not the, the builder doesn't care about the 20% as much. I'm sure they do because it's more skin in the game for the buyer, yeah. but it's the lender, the construction lender who's giving them the money to build. Those are their requirements. The builder's kind of hands are tied. Anytime you see, and this is a, just a caution, important note. If you see a builder selling a condo building with a 5% deposit plan, or like that's all you got to pay, 5%. There's a red flag there because it's either you're buying at the tail end of the project, so the builder has their financing, they've kept some units back, now they're releasing them towards the end of the project. Why that's a red flag? You're paying more. You're paying way more than the other people in the building who paid less a few years ago, so there's your competition, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the other reason it could be is that the builder is just not planning on building this thing and they're not going to get financing for it. It's not going to happen. And that happened recently at a project. We won't drop any names or anything okay. like that. But the bill, I saw it. My client showed it to me years ago. And he said, this is a really good project. I want to buy um, this particular unit. And it's a $25,000 deposit. I said, 25000 That's like we could buy 10 of those. Like that's cheap. But that's not, the, that's not all like kosher. It doesn't make sense. So we looked into it. Later on, the developer was actually shopping around the deal to finance the project because they were undercapitalized, okay? So it's very important. It's not just about I got in and it's about buying from the right developer, having the right team around you. And sometimes, yeah, it might be more aggressive to pay the 20% versus the five, but there's a reason for that. So it's important. Like people have gotten burned and now look what happened. That project, fast forward, it's been canceled because... Apparently, they blamed COVID. They blamed delays. They, they are apparently not making money on that, that particular section of the project. So they actually went to the purchasers and said, hey, uh, you have to give us another 100, 100 Gs to, to keep this. Per unit. Per unit because we're not making money. We're not going to build it. We have a right to cancel it, which I, which I understand from a business perspective. But the point is there was a lot of red flags at the beginning. My client who showed it to me, 
didn't buy, obviously. He took my word for it, came back and thanked me. It was like, see, I, I knew you you warned me about it. I said, why would I warn you about it if it was something good? Yeah. I'd want you to buy it. Yeah. But it was I knew. Like, I knew it's a red flag. Stay away from it. And then regarding the deposit, so they, they disappear or they get refunded? No. So the nice thing about pre-construction uh, is that all your deposit money up to 40000 I believe, is guaranteed by the province of Ontario. The rest of it is insured. So the deposits are normally held in trust by the builder's lawyer. They can't really access it. And there, there is a way to access it, but in order to do so, they need to have some really expensive insurance. So they get the, de- to answer your question, they got the deposit backs. Okay. They, they always get it back. It's okay. not, it's not held like. But it's just ransom. a headache. It's just. Opportunity cost. You invested yeah. in this builder, two years went by, the market's done really well, and now you're getting your original deposit back. Maybe you get a little bit of interest, but it's, it's nothing, it's nothing to offset how the market's been doing. Let's backtrack a tiny bit. You said something really amazing where you basically stated 40K can get you into the game. Yep. That's like... Doable. Tradespeople are spending three times that sometimes on their vehicles. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe don't spend that on your vehicle and maybe get a cheaper vehicle and take that 40 grand and get into the game. Maybe. I'm just saying maybe. Maybe lease the vehicle. Maybe lease the vehicle. We're we're doing some deals. We do a lot of private mortgage deals too. So some people who don't want to buy the real estate, they want to be a passive investor. They'll invest in the mortgage. They'll become a lender. And there's a proper way to do that so that nobody gets burned. And you're not pooling your money with other people's money. It's it's just you. Some people lend thirty thousand and they make five fifty a month in interest. That five fifty a month, rather than you spending thirty grand to buy the car invest it get the 550 a month lease the vehicle and you you keep your principal yeah. you don't buy a depreciating asset you there's a lot of ways you can do it if you don't have the 40,000 if you have a parent who can help you if you have somebody you 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 trust you're close with you guys want to partner up partner up or if your credit's amazing you don't have anything no liabilities barely any and you're getting paid really well and you can show pay stubs job letters Hit up three to four different banks in the same day, and I'll tell you why. Go to three to four of them. Tell them you need a 10 to 20 grand line of credit, something reasonable. Get the line of credit. It's a form of good debt. There's good debt and bad debt. But the reason why you hit them up all in the first day is their systems don't update quick enough to tell you to tell one another that you, <laughs> you came here, now you went there. Clever. You know, like there's things you can do, but you have to have the right people in your corner. And now if you go to the bank... Two of them reject you. Two of them approve you. You get a $10,000 line of credit. There's 20 grand. And you only pay for it when you use it. So you slowly use it. You, this, you're is, this is construction. Tradespeople, it's not hard for us to get a line of credit. Not at all. Not at all. And once you, you just show your business, you show uh, your income, you show that it's, you, know, you have a strong enough business going on, you'll get approved right off the bat. And like you said, as long as you have good credit. And a lot of these kids... Hopefully they do have good credit. I've heard of some of these kids, the millennials, early 20s, you know, forgetting to pay this payment or that payment. And it starts to strike you. It starts to go against you. And they don't realize that. Just be a little more responsible. The moment you have one missed payment, if you go for a mortgage. One I'll flag. Just use, yeah. yeah, I'll just use a mortgage as an example because that's part of our business model. The lender right away will say to us, why did they miss the payment? And if it's in like 2017... They want to know. They want to, why'd you miss it? No question. They have every right to question. Did you go on vacation? Did you, like, what did you do? Like, why did you miss it? And if there's more than one, well, they might not lend to you. Even if your credit score is 700, they might not lend to you because 
your credit profile is basically telling the lender about everything they need to know or they feel they need to know about your financial responsibility. And that's it. If, if you're missing payments, if you have a bankruptcy consumer proposal, all these things, it's not impossible, but it definitely doesn't open doors for you. It closes those doors. So have we, have you approved people that have been bankrupt in the past? Yes, we have consumer proposals. Yes, we have, but it's so simple, especially with automation, automate your payments. Don't just pay. Like if you, if you owe a hundred dollars, try to pay the balance off. Also, another thing for your for your guys, because maybe they have uh, they use credit cards often. Try to increase your limit on your credit cards, and the reason being is one way that it negatively impacts your credit is if you have a limit of ten grand and you're using anything more than four thousand dollars, more than forty percent, and you're not paying it off. Just you, even if you don't miss a payment, just using more than forty percent of your limits will negatively impact you. Hang on a sec. Say that again. So using more than 40%? Using more than 40% of your limit and then not paying it off and letting not paying it, it linger? Off. Yeah, because I've actually reduced my limit. But the problem that they don't like about me is that when the statement comes, the whole payment is paid. Right. I just get rid of it. I can't stand looking at that number. And also now, I guess, I don't know when they implemented that a few years ago, where they'll actually tell you how many decades, how many centuries it will take you to pay off this balance if you pay the minimum payment. Oh, wow. (laughs) Which is absolutely a scary number of years, decades, centuries, whatever it is. So then I look at that. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is all getting paid off. I've I've never paid a penny in in interest because I didn't pay. No, no. That's why the banks, yeah, they don't like guys like us because they're not making money off us. But the word mortgage is to go back to the decades. And the word mortgage is is Latin and and there's a meaning for it in French. It means till death. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And that explains it. You know, you... If my wife, I just turned 30. If my wife and I buy a house now, we get a mortgage for 30 years, we'll be 60. Like, I mean, hey, like, okay, there's another, how many more years? 15, 20 years? Let's be real. Uh, it's not about paying down your mortgage. It's not about that. It's about how are you, look at the real estate in a way that, how are you going to use it to make money? Even the home you're going to live in, how are you going to use it to make money? Because your home is not an asset. Your home is a liability. And liability simply means you're t- it's taking money out of your pocket every month. It's not putting money in. If you're paying a mortgage, property tax, maintenance, whatever it is, that's taking money out of your pocket every month. It's not an asset. So you got to look at things differently now. It's about the mindset. And I have a lot of construction guys. I tell them, I go, if I was in your position right now or at that age, I'd be buying two or three properties, not, not just one. And because because of what I know, right? Uh, all the experience. So what would be the reasoning behind that? So if you've got, let's use round numbers because it's great. You got a tradesperson who's making a hundred k a year. They've got their overhead. They got their own personal expenses. Let's say they're not rocking and rolling, living that lifestyle. They're saving, saving, saving. They work. They go home. Family life. They work. That's it. So they're probably saving more than half of that. Two thirds of it is being saved. The rest of it is covering their expenses, their mortgage payment, their car payments, all that stuff. So you're asking them to look at one property and then see if they could possibly make a second property and a third property. But how, how are they supposed to do that? If you think about it, if we, if we just stick with the pre-construction route, but, but you know what? We don't have to, we could stick with, we could stay with that. Cause it's very attractive. Let's use two examples. Let's okay. use a pre-construction and let's use a fixer upper. Okay. That's already built. So the pre-construction route, you're going to buy something today. You're going to slowly pay into it with a payment plan. That's going to be ready, let's say, four years. And in construction, there's always delays anyway. 
So it's going to be ready in four years. Now, the thing is with pre-construction condos, if you buy it and it's going to be ready in four years, you get the keys in four years, let's just say. That's not when you need the mortgage. The mortgage kicks in a few months later. It's basically a process with the builder and the municipality. 90% of the building has to have received their keys. That's called occupancy. And then they go, the builder proceeds to register the building with the municipality. That whole process takes months, sometimes a year, depending on what floor you're on, when you actually get the keys. That's when the mortgage kicks in. So it's safe to say in a four-year project, if everything's on time, you won't need a mortgage till four and a half years or five years. Let's say you have the money and you're paying into that, but you also have an opportunity to get a line of credit or you're also working and saving more money. You're just working and saving more. That's going to be ready in five years. Don't worry about the mortgage. In five years time, who knows where we're going to be? You don't have to worry about it. You could, if you can, if you're in a better position, now get another pre-construction condo or something that's going to be ready sooner or later. And it's like a Ferris wheel. Will you close one when you close it? In four years time, let's let's be realistic. The market's probably going to be a lot higher than it is now. Even if there's some adjustments, they don't last long. Adjustments downward. And what you can do is the moment you close, a month later, you can refinance. Take the equity out as a home equity line of credit or increase your mortgage so that the payment is stretched over 30 years. The money that you're going to take out should be around your down payment or deposit. Take that out, put it into something else. Same thing applies for buying a fixer-upper. Uh, the only difference is in the short term, as a, as a fix and flip or as a fix and rent, rent and refinance, yeah. if the values, if you caught it at the bad time, which you can't time, but if you did, you bought it, uh, did the whole process, and then you renovate it and refinance it when the market went down, you might not be able to take out so much equity. But the point is, Think about it this way. There's a video I have on my YouTube channel. It's called Infinite Returns. If you invested that same example, 100K into a $500,000 condo, and by the time it's ready, you're able to refinance it, take 100K of equity out. Manny, how much money do you have in the, in, how much skin in the game do you have now? You got 600 now. You have zero. Think about it. You're right about the 600. Yeah. You, have to, you have to pay back 600. Yeah. But you're not going to pay back. Your tenant will. No. So how much skin in the game do you have from out of your own? Because you're not paying 600 k to get the Nothing at con- all. You all you've done is the paperwork. You've just set up meetings and gotten together and just started the ball. So what's your? how do you calculate your ROI? When you do the ROI formula, when you have nothing in the game, when that number is zero, the answer is infinite. Because all hmm. the return is infinite. Your money is not in the deal. But that's if... The, okay, so that's if everything is still going the way it's going. Sure, uh, yeah. And I mean, we've been talking about for a decade now that this market was going to turn and it hasn't turned and there's no signs of it turning. And what is it? The latest real estate news from last year to even this year, it keeps going up. It's still increasing. They have record sales this year. Insane. So, so I mean, is it going to turn next year? We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. So what happens if you do get on that? Are you hit hard if you do position yourself that way? It depends on when you, if we're sticking to pre-construction, it depends on when you're buying. So when my clients buy, they're buying at the earliest possible stage. Like the Burlington example, the nine clients that bought from us, overnight, the, the prices for the new release went up 40 grand. So they bought 40 grand cheaper just the night before. The people that bought after them, they, they paid 40 grand more. And for the price of those condos, that was about like 8 to 10% increase. 
So, I mean, Manny, four years later, there's going to be yeah, some Yeah, what's the gains? Like, what are like, we... Are you guys predicting gains? Are you guys saying that I, we're anticipating... I show my clients numbers when we're when we're together and we're looking at a project. Eight hundred percent gains are not unheard of. Oh, in pre- wow. I've I've experienced that personally. I've done that for uh, in that case fifteen other clients. So it just depends on your deposit structure when you're getting in. In two thousand and nineteen, we went to Barry. Uh, we sold thirty seven units in a building. I picked up a couple of them. They're actually I'm getting the keys in March, and um, those those clients put like thirty to forty five grand into the deal. We're flipping some of them now. So you could flip actually another thing we could talk about. You could flip it before it's even ready. Yeah, that was my because I've I've heard about that. So as soon as you even you get the keys, but it hasn't been converted into even a mortgage. before. You can even do it before that. Before you get the keys. So you already get you get the gains for hanging on to it and paying the deposit for the three, four, or five years, or whatever it is, and you could sell it and get those gains now. You could get those gains. So some of those we just did that for like ten or eleven clients in that project. And some of them made, if they put forty five grand into it, they made a three to four hundred percent return in two years. I love it, man. Now that's before tax. Okay, it's before tax. But tell me, show me an investment that you put your money in. The money is guaranteed by the government and an insurance company. So the worst thing that happens if a builder cancels a project is opportunity cost for the amount of time your money was tied up, and then you could make those kinds of gains. Show me. You don't, can't. don't say There's, don't say Bitcoin. Nobody. No, 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 don't say no, Bitcoin. No, I'm not going to go down that road, right? <laughs> that, that that's something else. But the thing is, you can't. There isn't. It's not out there right now, and you're making it very attractive. So I'm like, I'm saying, if you get this generation, or even anybody, my generation, you're looking at it, and if you just tighten your belt a tiny little bit and just pay attention to your numbers, you can actually buy a pre-construction and get going on it. Our youngest. I mean, I bought it when I was 19. I bought it when I was 19. I've had clients as young as 16 years old partner with their cousin who's a little older. They get into it. Wow. Yeah, and those same kids now that I'm thinking of, they're they're my partners. We do a lot of stuff together. I think they're turning 24 or 23 and and they have more pro- they've accumulated more properties. Now I'm not saying like you should flip it. I'm not saying like what you should do cuz everyone's situation is different. There are opportunities out there if you know where to look for them. And I just had an example of one guy message me on Instagram, wants to talk pre-con. I'm very straight up. I go, how much money do you have to put into it? $280. Listen, the fact that you're thinking about investing is already a step. So I gave him a video to watch. He said, what should I do with the 280? I said, you should invest in your education. Go pay for some courses. Go do what you got to do. Invest in your education. Be more aware. Raise your awareness and, and start doing things uh, differently in your life. Because if we were all aware, let's let's be real. If we were all aware, if we didn't say no to cryptocurrency and blockchain and we, and we wanted to understand it, anybody who pays attention to it now and understands it would have would have bought Bitcoin, yeah. would have bought Ethereum, yeah. but the, or would have bought real estate 10 years ago. You know how many people, the BRRR, all those people, you know how many of them were talking smack about pre-construction real estate? And I was like, no problem. I'll buy them and sell them to my clients back when I could get an inventory. Now, I was just mentioning to you, the nine clients that bought in Burlington, we had 25 clients that wanted to buy there. <laughs> so I don't even have inventory to meet my clients' needs, some of my best clients. Everybody's flocking, flocking, flocking now to pre-construction. And that's because the resale market's been so difficult to get into. Everybody's going to buy brand new stuff. Okay. I got to... 
There's a lot to ask here, Matthew. There's a lot. I want, it's funny you brought up the Latin thing. So we do these little segments on the show. So normally Carlito's with me. He couldn't make it today. But uh, there's a little history with me is what it is, right? And I want to ask you a few questions, see if you can. I bet you any money you might actually know these, man. Tell me. What was the first real estate transaction in the new world of America? And how much was it for? No, I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> the Louisiana Purchase, 1803 was a land deal between the United States and France oh, okay. in which the U.S. acquired approximately 827,000 square miles of land west of the Mississippi River for $15 million back in 1803. Wow. Right? Why is it called real estate? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> real estate became a legal term to identify a royal grant of estate land. The word real is derived from Latin, meaning existing, actual, or genuine. The word estate is an English translation of the old French word estat, meaning status. Makes sense, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so actually, just to build on that, it you know, real estate is known as as having a particular status in yeah. you know in society, right? And, yeah. and even in just amongst your hierarchies and class, like that's that's why people that's that's why people have frowned upon renting all these years. Nobody wants to rent. I rent where I live. I I, I used to be a landlord and I had a lot of renters and I, I had a lot of different types of renters. And one in particular I remember was a family that rented and he always rented and he always explained to me the benefits behind just renting. And I said it kind of makes sense. And that was a, a long time. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So we live we live um, in a condo that we're renting right now, and we obviously want to buy our our you know future home that we could raise our family and our kids. Of course. But if it's not the right time, why would I go put myself in that situation? But if I invest, if I want to flip a couple properties now, that first condo that I bought and and the the townhouse that I bought after that, I can flip it and easily pay for the the future home. But we have different priorities right now. I've got a few questions to ask you about that. I got just two more more comments yeah, yeah. to say here. What are the four types of real estate out there? There's there's residential, commercial, yep. industrial, and just land. Yep. In general. And then final question here is what's the most expensive residential property sold globally? Ever. One single property. If I was gonna guess, it's probably something cool because I I I could tell the the way you're asking these questions. <laughs> I don't know. Is it something in the Middle East? No, it's actually oh. in Hong Kong. So the Ho Tong Gardens uh, on the pink uh, was sold for six hundred and fifty-seven point nine million U.S. dollars. Wow. One property. Wow. So that was a little history there. That's but awesome. I wanted to ask you um, about the whole banking thing because I know that in Canada, I'm not too familiar with the way they've structured things in the U.S. or any other parts of the world because the shows listen to all over the place. Is that the Canadian banks have made it a little more difficult, I guess, now recently mm -hmm. to pull that equity out of properties that you own, right? They're expecting, I guess, more skin in the game. Is that the fact? Is that, the, is that what's going on with the banks? It depends on the scenario. So if, you're, if it's your home that you live in, it's primary residence, they'll go up to 80% of what's called the appraised value. The appraised value simply means somebody with a designation, a license, is going to be sent by the bank to your home, inspect it, and then put a value on it. So whatever that value is, they'll go up to 80%. If it's a rental property, they'll go up to 75%. Now, the way you qualify for equity, like a lot of people, even now, we're about to go into 2022, and, and um, a lot of people are still saying to me, hey, I have a million dollars of equity in my home. The bank's just going to give it to me. No, because you have to qualify 
just as if you were qualifying for a mortgage. It's exactly the same. The only difference is it's a little harder because they'll say, what's the equity for? Okay, I have a million dollars and I let's say I qualify for it. Everything makes sense. The bank will still ask me, what's it for? If you tell the bank that you're going to, I'm not saying I would, but if you tell the bank that you're using it to buy more properties, they won't give it to you. They won't approve you. They won't give That's it to what you. I've heard. And right. just for all the shoemakers out there, because us as tradespeople, we are shoemakers. And um, if your home is under construction, it will not get appraised. Is that correct? Yeah. So what happens is in the appraisal report, there's, there's basically a section that they talk about if the property is livable or not. Yes. And it, if it's not livable, so I see, I just saw a few deals in Aurelia. Aurelia is a booming market right now where the home was not livable. So we went on Sunday, there was a home, we looked at a duplex and then there was another one that was also a duplex actually. And we went inside, no kitchen, no floors. Like it's a great, if you know what you're doing, it could be great, but you're not getting traditional financing for that. You might not, like you might get private financing for that, but it's hard. So it goes back to, like your credit and your history and you Everything. as a, on paper, you got to make yourself look as attractive as possible Have to a, these institutions. It, yeah. If you own your own business, like invest the money in your website, man. Have some social media. If you don't think lenders look at that. They do. Huh? Lenders look at, they pull up my Insta. They look at my Instagram all the time. They're looking at social media. CRA is looking at social media. Uh, the lenders are looking at so everybody's looking at social media. CRA is looking at yeah. For those of you guys that have money tucked into your uh, couches and whatnot, <laughs> and behind the walls, <laughs> behind the drywall that you probably put up, just just be careful what you're putting on social media, because because my accountant and he's top fifteen firms. He's told me they're auditing people because they're seeing lifestyle. They're looking at your lifestyle. You're driving a... I always assumed that. I just didn't know that that was actually going it's happening. on. So, so, oh, can I give you one example? Sure. So I, I had a client. I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to drop no, no, the no, name no, of the don't, company. Don't, under the bus. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. For sure. No, I, I, I would never do that. But the, for confidentiality purposes, this client's business had a negative connotation. So it's like, let's say you're a plumber. I'll, I'll equate it to this. And I'm not <laughs> picking on plumbers, but a plumber. And, you know, your job is to fix a leak. But... You called your company like uh, leaks galore, like leaks galore. Like it's like, what are you talking about? Like you're supposed to solve the problem of the leaks, but you're kind of like anti that. So he had that same kind of theory or idea in his business name. And the lender lender put it in writing to me. They said the, the last reason why we don't want to lend on this deal with this person is what kind of person are we lending to that he would name his company that? They're accounting everything. Eh? Everything, bro. Everything. They want the fine tooth comb, and, and you they know they want the Boy Scout and the Girl Guide. They everything. want they want that perfect person, as close to perfection as possible. Now, here's the thing: if you don't like, I never qualified with the the big banks when I closed that first condo. I think I was 23, turning 24, or 24 turning 25. I didn't qualify. I was already in the real estate business. But I still didn't qualify. My income wasn't high enough, whatever. And we expense a lot of items because you're, you're still running a business as a, as a realtor. So I had to go to what's called a B lender. So think yeah. of it as A, B, and C. A is the best. B is not the best. C is not the best. So as you go down, it gets worse and worse. C is kind of like private lenders. B is that little fine sweet spot. You got a little bit of bruised credit. Your income's missing the mark with the big banks. 
they'll qualify you. Percentage points differences between A, B, and C? Minimum 20% on the B side. Okay. Um, but if you're buying an investment, even on the A side, it's minimum 20%. And then private lenders, yeah, they would minimum 20 typically. But it's also the interest rates. What, what are we adding? Like an uh, extra point, point and a half, two points? Sometimes B lenders rates are really good right now. We're seeing about a point higher. It's not that bad. Sometimes even half a point. Private lenders were seeing two to three points higher. But here's the thing, Manny, you write off all the interest. You write off all the interest. So the guys that are saying, oh, I'm not going to buy or the market's going to crash when the interest rates go up. What are you talking it about? It benefits you. What are you talking about? It's, you write off the interest. Anytime you have an investment property, you write off everything. The mortgage interest, the maintenance, the property tax. The insurance. The accountant, the insurance, the anything, the paint that you spent, anything that you spend is a write-off. So the only difference between a higher interest and a lower interest is your cash flow. Because mm -hmm. the higher the interest, your payment's going to be higher and also uh, less money is paying your principal. But why do you care if you have a tenant and they're paying for everything? You don't. You don't. When the interest rates go down, refinance at a lower rate. Can you share, because you're, you're in the industry right now, where is this going? Does anybody know? Or this is not really, no. you can't tell, right? No, nobody knows. Um, but I thought we, at some point, we were able to look at history and their cycles and things go up, things go down. The problem is we've never been through this. Uh, this we, is all new. Yeah, we've never had a, a monetary policy with central banks that can that are private. They're not government-owned. If you guys think, the Bank of Canada is not owned by Canada. It's, it's a private entity, Federal Reserve, same thing. Their monetary policy on a macro level, they could print, they could inject. And by printing, they're not actually physically printing. In under 60 seconds, they could inject a trillion dollars into the economy or more. The problem is that there's so much money in the system. It goes to hard assets. It goes to all that. So that's why you see the stock markets up. Everything's up. So that's what happens. But it's because companies buy back, just for the stock conversation, companies buy back their own stock. That's, that's what they do. There's, okay. there's no... There's no other reason. But then there's a lot of money in the system. So where is it? Where does it all go? Hard assets are going up. In Canada specifically, we have a problem of supply and construction. There's so much red tape with municipalities. Developments take a while to plan and then finally go and construct it. It's not overnight or in one year. You have to go through the whole process. So supply is limited. The banks are already pretty conservative. And then don't forget, we have insurance companies, CMHC, Genworth, Canada Guarantee, that bulk insure all mortgages, billions and billions of dollars of, of mortgage debt. Where does it all go? How, does it stop? I, I see employment being an issue. Uh, the, the fact that a lot of people got too comfortable uh, collecting two grand as if that's going to change their lives anyway. It won't. It hasn't. That they're paying back anyway through higher cost of living, gas, food, and everything. Yeah. But... There, there's that, and then in my opinion, if we go down this route, we could continue this conversation for days, but if the powers that be want to change the monetary policy as we know it completely, the system you and I know, all of us in the world know today, if they want to change it, then that might be a problem. But those are things that are completely outside of our control. It won't benefit them if they change it. That's so that there's no real reason to drive it to change. The thing is, the currency is is all about uh, confidence, consumer mm -hmm. confidence. Mm -hmm. Why 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 are people flocking to crypto? 
it's out of the government control. It's out of which it's not completely, but sure. But people are also flocking to spending. There's been a lot of spending going on the last two years. Malls are busy. Everything's Insane. busy. Everything's busy. Insane. Even yeah. though that you got a, a huge portion of the of the population on serve or collecting a, a, a stupid minimum amount of money just to survive, people are still spending. And until they actually do their taxes for that year and last year, they're going to quickly realize from their accountant, you owe money now as yeah. a result of collecting this money that you thought was free. But they're still spending. Everybody's still yeah. living a rock style life. Do you remember the articles that were coming out pre-COVID that said for every dollar a Canadian spends? Yeah, uh, sorry, I remember earns, those. Yeah, they they spend a dollar seventy. Yeah, yeah, that hasn't changed. The there's debt old, was just increasing. Yeah, there, there's an old saying that if you gave everybody an, in the world the equal amount of money, there's an old saying that it would still end up in the hands of the rich, yeah. the few rich. So it's all about mindset. These guys that aren't working right, what are you going to do with $2,000 a month? It's, anyway, it's, I don't think it's, it, they cut it off anyway now. Uh, now it's specifically for unemployed people and whatnot. But what were you thinking? That was your time. You know, we're about to get the, the Terry on Home Construction Authority approval because we finished our educational requirements, the Alberta license. There's a few things I'm working on. I don't have to. I already have my real estate brokerage, my mortgage brokerage, life insurance agency, podcast, YouTube. But the reason is, I want to see how far I can take it. I might never use the Alberta license. I might never build something, but I want to see how far I can take it. And if I have the time to do it now where I don't have kids, I don't have certain responsibilities. Do it. Do it. Like yeah. you guys that are young, get, it doesn't matter about age, but get educated, like do something like it doesn't sitting at home, like looking at stocks, looking at this, this and that. It doesn't make sense. Be valuable to society. You want to know how to build the country back better? This isn't my political campaign, but it's just my thoughts. Everybody needs to be responsible for their own actions. A thousand percent, I guarantee you. Yeah. Communism I, I, doesn't I, work. Completely, yeah. Socialism doesn't yeah, work. Those yeah. things don't work. Because if that happens, I'm not doing what I'm doing now. I'm going to sit back and just be lazy and just collect from the government let them take care of me how do we change the gears man like you get these tradespeople that they get into this grind five days six days a week they wake up five six o'clock in the morning they go to work they do their job whether they're union or non-union or customer resi or whatever it is by the end of the week they have those conversations with co-workers with friends with family and they look at the market like, it's too expensive. It's too expensive. I can't carry that. I can't do that. I can't. I just took this payment. I just took the payment. How do you kick them in the ass and just get them to do? Because it makes sense to me. Pre-con makes sense to me. One of the strategies that I use is I put them in touch with one of my clients. I go, don't listen to me. I'm a guy in a suit. Construction guys don't like guys in suits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wearing a suit today. But, but no, you're let's... not. But in, and construction guys have suits. We occasionally wear them and nobody recognizes us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so what I normally do is like if somebody really needs a push, I just ask them. I say, guys, because we're very like we don't we don't pressure. Like it's not my bit. My, I have an education background. I educate and then just guide you to where you want to go. If somebody needs a push, I ask them, would you benefit from speaking with one of my clients privately? I'll let them know you're going to call them. They're around your age, similar situation. They're happy to speak with you. If they're open to that, let them hear it from somebody else. Or let them hear it from, you know, I have, a, I have really good clients of mine that are older, that they were in that kind of rat race of, we bought our home, we're going to raise our family, and when things slow down, we're going to buy real estate. We're going to save some more. They'll tell you 
20 years later, they weren't able to do that. And they're investing now, which I tell them, listen, I think the timing for your life was right. And that's why you're able to do it now. But um, it's a lesson to be learned that it doesn't get easier. Life gets harder. Things come up. Everything was going well in my mom's house for the last 21 years. I was talking to my wife about it. I go, how lucky are they that this happened? They get a flood. Out of 21 years, never have. They get a flood. A few hmm. days later, things happen. So yeah. you got to get your foot in the door. Like there's a lot of times that I step out of my comfort zone and put myself in a situation, not because it's going to be good for me, like instantly. Like if I buy something that uh, I'm expecting a return on, I, I, it may not return something for me right away, but I do it on a small scale just to test it out so that mentally I'm okay because our brains are defense mechanisms. They don't yeah. want us to jump out of the plane. They don't want us to do those things. Uh, a couple months ago, I don't know how to swim. I learned how to swim. <laughs> but you know how I learned how to swim? I kind of threw myself in yeah. there. And I was by myself. Well, not by myself. My wife was nearby. And I started like learning how to swim in the pool. And I and then you know what I did? I got a life jacket and started, started doing cave diving. I was the only one with the life jacket. But so what? Just to get the fear out of the out of just my to mind. share you I, I i learned how to swim in my 30s it there took me until my 30s to learn how to swim because i was never a fan of the water because i was a kid that was like 11 years old that saw jaws and <laughs> for you people that can watch jaws today and think it's complete garbage but it's not scary it was scary to me that far back yeah. and i totally agree with you and and i love what you're saying right now so basically it's true that yesterday is when we should be starting yeah yeah, they say the best time to buy real estate was yesterday and the next best time to buy real estate was today. The best time to start anything would have been yesterday. And and again, I don't, I don't care who it is. If you don't put in the time and the effort now, don't think you're going to get into it 10 years from now and you could just kind of take shortcuts. No, you still have to put the time. It's the same thing. I did something yesterday. I bought my first piece of uh, digital real estate. What is that? So it's a, it's a property, but digitally it exists in the, uh, NFT metaverse world. Okay. Oh, so it's part of, okay. So that's, that's technically speaking, part of the whole blockchain yes. Yes. world, right? Yeah, yeah. Cause I'm educating myself too about NFTs and things. So, so now you can actually purchase a digital piece of real estate. Yeah. Well, they're, they're doing all kinds of deals. I think a, a piece of land in one of the metaverses just sold like a few days ago for like a million bucks. It's crazy. And, and here's the thing why I love that. I spent $500. Okay, so I finally figured out how to do it. And the way I figured it out, guys, is YouTube and articles and just, you know. Research. Research. <laughs> Yesterday, I was supposed to close on, on a personal real estate deal of mine. It got postponed to today. But yesterday, I was like in that mode of closing. So I'm sitting with my wife. I go, come over here. Let's let's buy a piece of digital real estate. She's like, what are you buying? I'm like, I'm going to buy this uh, this punk house villa. It's 500, 500 Canadian dollars. I go, I'm probably not going to make any money on it. It took me a few hours yesterday after I've already been learning about it for like this entire year. Not entire year. I would say like for the last few months. And it took me a few hours to finally set it up. I, I've had my digital wallets and all that because I do hold something in there um, because I just I just want to be out of the system. Maybe, maybe that's going to be the thing that makes it. So I put a little bit of money in there and finally I figured out how to purchase the NFT. And the one that I bought, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to do well unless some nut job just pays me a crazy amount of money for it. But the reason I bought it is to say I did it and I could be on your show telling you that I, I bought it. Now I'm going to spend more time researching, finding out how to buy the right ones. 
and how to do it. I'm not going to go spend a million bucks on the wrong thing. I spent 500 bucks. I was willing. So what are you buying, actually, Matthew? Here, I'll show you. I'll like, show I'm you. curious. What is it that you're buying when it comes to an NFT? <laughs> because I've been told about the NFT when it comes to the art world, where you have a specific design. You, you basically create a set amount of images. They're, they become exclusive. Then you sell them, and you buy them at a certain price, and then that person can resell it to somebody else, and then you get a kickback as a result of that purchase. So you can skip the whole part of creating the NFTs. You could just go buy NFTs yourself. So okay. creating it is a whole other animal, and then there's a business model for that. But we're not. I'm not there yet. What so, it is is, let's say you see an image on Google, and you can use that image. You can freely use it. It's, it's available to you. It's on Google. It's on the public web. But who owns that image? There's a person. Somebody out there owns that image, owns that artwork. And what you're buying is the ownership. Maybe people will reuse that image and it's yours and, and whatnot. And then obviously you can make a claim, but you're buying the digital ownership, of the actual ownership of that image or whatever it is. So what I bought, I bought this. Let me see if you can, uh, if you could see it here. Check that out. Okay. It's a picture of a house. Of a house. So well, of, of like a backyard or something, like a terrace or something? Yeah. So, so that's the house, and then they, they kind of show you the, the front and the back. It's all combined in one. That's just what it is. Okay, so that costs $500. It costs $500. But you know what people could do with this? They could go into the metaverse. They can take this house and the, the digital ID that's associated with it, and they could create in their metaverse game, they can, they can put that in there, and now have that house in the game for other people to look at. Why is that important? Why, why does that even matter? If you ask me if I, if I like it, no, I obviously I don't like it. I like the real estate stuff, the tangible stuff, the, yeah. the way you defined it, the genuine stuff. But why is that important? Well, the guy who has 500 bucks, 300 bucks, they can't afford anything. That's what they could afford. Now it's speculation. You don't know what's going to happen. NFTs may not be here in the next five years. I think... Blockchain is the future. I think things will will happen. So I'm not saying you should go and do that, but do your research. But why it matters, there's institutions coming in now and they're lending on people's crypto portfolios. Are they really? Yes. Specifically on like Bitcoin and Ethereum, the more uh, you know, stable ones and, and reputable ones, they're doing that. There's a there's a whole group of institutional investors that are playing in this space right now. You could get a crypto loan. So I'm there's there's this talk as the NFT space blows up that digital assets are going to be used as collateral by these institutions. Imagine somebody who can't go to the bank, their credit score sucks, maybe their maybe their job is is not really bringing them such a high income where they qualify for a loan, but they have a massive crypto, you know, a crypto uh, portfolio or they're doing really well in crypto. They can use that crypto to buy the digital real estate and get loans that way and get build wealth that way. That's going on right now? No. Not yet. Not that I know of. I mean, it's new. The The whole space is pretty new. Um, but the, the lending on stuff, yes, they're lending on crypto, but I haven't seen anybody lend on the actual digital asset yet. Is it true that all the institutions that we're so used to, I guess, globally are investing time? and research on crypto right now. 
Oh yeah, the, they have to the, be right. The Canadian government's creating the the digital dollar. Yeah, the the Federal Reserve has openly come out and said that they're creating the digital version of the U.S. dollar. Yeah, it's all happening. It's it's. I mean, we've had digital currency for a while. Like anytime you see a credit card or anything, it's all digital money. Yeah, it's just a new way to. It's a new format, and so that enables and empowers a lot of people that cannot traditionally qualify for something or buy something, to now buy this. But it goes back to the individual investor preparing themselves to look proper for whichever institution is going to be analyzing them. Because yeah. you are going to get analyzed. You are going to be scrutinized on how you are as a human being and how you've done financially, how you've done, I guess, credit, debt, that whole world, right? Like you have to position yourself. Like you can party all you want. And, I, and like you are talking about your generation that loves Uber Eats. Yeah. Loves Ubers, like loves just racking up where they'll have statements come from their bank and they'll tell them, listen, this month you spent 200 and some odd dollars on your Tim Hortons every single morning that you went to work. That's 200 that, that could have went into a, 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 an account that you could take that money and buy a pre-con if you want or buy something else or invest in something else. My banker said to me the, the other day when I asked him about a, a few fees and this was the like I've asked him about these fees in the past. <laughs> you too? He goes... <laughs> Wow, he's like, and he's such a good guy. He, I, he's a friend. And he goes, wow, he's like, you're getting cheap. <laughs> I go, I'm not getting cheap. I I'm said, paying attention. I said, I'm paying more attention because yeah. because those fees, if it's twenty bucks, that's a meal, that's something, that's a haircut, that's whatever. Twenty bucks in my pocket's better than your po- like the bank's pocket in that case. I was just talking about this to a trade today about how every trade now is asking to be paid in e transfers. But e-transfers on a business account, they start to increase per transfer. And these are just the ATM fees that we were so used to back in the 80s and 90s. And now we're just getting dinged with all these e-transfer fees. It's convenient for the tradesperson to get paid that way because money digitally goes from one source to the next. And you don't have to wait about, you don't have to wait Mm -hmm. at all. You're you're being compensated your, your scope at that moment, but then you're absorbing fees. And, and I've already spoken to the banks about this, but yeah, every month you start seeing the amount of e-transfers you've done. And then all of a sudden you don't have the account that's set up typically for e-transfers. So now they're charging you a service charge. The point is this year, actually 2021 for me was the year of trimming a lot of the fat. So what's not, what's not working? What, what don't I need? Credit cards, things that have like annual fees, monthly subscriptions and all i trimmed a lot and you know what you do see it you do see it for the people how did you trim it when the whole society is going off of subscriptions yeah everybody amazon netflix all this stuff is all subscription and it's only going to get worse yeah i know because because gen z there was a study that that i was reading um recently actually and it said gen z prefers it's actually it comes down to commitment not committing to something is is what they prefer. How good or bad that is, we'll, we'll wait to see. That is funny. It's commitment. So what happens is a subscription model, which can be canceled at any time, resonates better with them. Yeah. And that's the whole Global Economic Forum, the agenda by 2030 that they put out there. It's on their YouTube channel, Global Economic Forum. Uh, where by 2030, we're not going to own anything. We're going to rent everything and we'll be happier. That's their slogan. It will resonate better with the younger generation. It's interesting you're saying that because I just, I, 
in construction, we're always having conversations, not always about construction, but just in general. And, and I'm, I'm a Gen X, so I'm at a certain age bracket and it's interesting to speak to somebody that's half my age. And I start, I start telling them, listen, I've gotten tired of Netflix. I've gotten tired of Amazon because I've scrolled through stuff and it's, it's catered to whichever market it is. Right. And I gotten to the point where I'll just purchase the films that I want to watch and I'll tell them, yeah, I'll actually purchase a hard copy on a Blu-ray and I'll keep it. This is not the norm. People are used to either buying a digital copy or downloading, stealing a digital copy or accepting the subscription and what they offer. I can see what you're saying about the Gen Z where it's like it's not a commitment thing where they don't want that asset, I guess. But me, if I ever want to watch that particular program or that movie, I have a copy of it. I can watch it. I don't have to rely on a subscription base. It was like a year ago that I walked into Apple and I was asking for, you know, uh, an iPod. And they were like saying, why are you asking for iPods? You should be streaming now. And I'm like, why should I be streaming now? I want to buy. And I know that Apple's going to discontinue purchasing music. And it's all going to be subscription streaming services from there. And I get that the model is better for Apple at that point. But it's also psychologically better for that generation too. Oh, yeah. If you go on my phone, right? So I got rid of like Amazon, uh, YouTube Premium. I got rid of all those things. Got rid of all of that, eh? No, I got rid of all of it. So... While everybody else is getting it. I got rid of everything. I'm as audibles. I got, I got rid of everything. Were you just looking at the monthly subscriptions and just going, okay, gone, 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 saving, saving? I was looking at it from a perspective of, um, I said, you know what? This money that I'm going to save, I'm just going to allocate it somewhere else. You know, you, you run a podcast, like there's monthly, you know, your audience appreciates that you invest in this because it's not only time and effort, it's, it's money. There's money going into it. I took from one place that wasn't doing anything for me. That's the kind of mentality I have. I don't need YouTube premium. I don't need no, you know what? I'll, I'll skip the ad if I have to skip. It's a few seconds anyway. If I, uh, Amazon Prime, if I need something, my brother's got Amazon Prime. My, my wife's sister has Amazon. Everybody has Amazon Prime. I'll just use theirs when I need it. Like, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. And getting rid of that, it, it kind of just, it was a good discipline to build into a habit because now it makes me more conscious of where I'm spending my money. It's money coming in, money going out. It's, there's no trick to it. So if you're into, it's easy to get into all these subscriptions now. It's very easy to get into. You got Netflix. Yeah, we got rid of Netflix. We got rid of all that stuff because it doesn't make sense for me. Like, Are these the primary things that the, that generation is wasting money on? Like that's the primary? I think, I think always uh, ordering food. Eating fast food is a. I looked at my credit card statement when I was like 24, 25, and I'll never forget because my dad opened it. I don't know why he opened it, but he he opened it. He opens all my not not anymore, but when I lived, he opened all my mail. I go, can you stop opening my mail? He That's opened, parents for you, man. Yeah, yeah. He, but it's not like they were like contributing to. to just, <laughs> they just want to have something to point at you. That's all it is. So he goes, "How'd you spend twenty like four thousand on on food this year?" I go lunches, meals, you know, dinners with clients, whatever. But then I think about it. I go, there's a lot of that. That was probably just me on the go and, and whatever. And I, I spent the money on it. I, I didn't care to pack a lunch or whatever. It was the sides, Matthew. It was the sides. There you go. It was the sides. <laughs> oh, the sides cure cancer. <laughs> you know what? It's funny. It adds up so fast and you up. don't even realize it. And it's that whole mindset of like, when you use your credit card or you use digital payment, e-transfer, like you, it's not the same as physically handing over cash to something or somebody. Exactly. Yeah. So 
the credit card subscriptions was a big one because every year I had like multiple cards, 100 bucks. One of them was 700 bucks, my Amex Platinum. I'm like, I'm not even traveling anymore all these years because of Just COVID. for the lounge, right? For the American for Express the, the lounge or whatever? The lounges are great, but yeah, like, they are. You know, they're good, <laughs> but like 700, whatever. So I think about that. You pay that annually, but how much is that monthly? It's like, you know, 57, 58 bucks a month or whatever. Same thing with the other cards, 150 bucks a year, 100 bucks here. Break that down monthly. There's no reason why you can't buy a condo or a car if you need it or whatever. You would find the deposit. You'd find it. It's there. Yeah. Just trim the fat. Yeah. Trim the fat. I did that this year. Trim the fat with your time too. What are you doing you don't want to be doing? I was serving a bunch of boards that were like non-for-profits that, you know, volunteer in my industries. I finished my term January 4th, 2021. I sent resignations to all of them. They all called. Why didn't you? I said, I love you guys. I love everything that has to do with you. I need to focus my time elsewhere. That might be with family. That might be with work. That might be with clients. Anything else to help progress us as a as human beings? Side hustle, anything, whatever. just whatever you're passionate about. Do anything. People are wasting their time and they're wasting their money right now. There's people that would kill to be in Canada or in the U.S. My parents, if you hear their stories, they came here separately. They had to escape their countries. They had to escape. They had to do all kinds of things to get here. They finally got here, and you're and you're gonna complain about tuition rates are too high and all this stuff is too high and whatnot and the government needs to do this, this and that. That's a liberal ideology. They 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 pushed on us down our throats in university. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. I'll tell you it's bullshit right now. I was in those classes. I failed those classes because I disagree with those professors. I have a you know, I didn't I didn't get straight A's in university, nor do I care for them because they can't tell me how to build a business. None of them have. They can't tell me how what policy, monetary policy to put in place. They don't have all the answers. Right. So communism, socialism doesn't work. There's people that would kill to come here. And if you're making if you're if you're stuck in your, you know, uh, he's a good guy and I like his stuff. I just watched a video of him. He was a member of parliament. He went in just a couple of days ago and he's sharing the experience of how one of his constituents lives in his mother's basement. And he's sharing the story in the in the House, I think, House of Commons or, or Parliament. And he goes. Well, I see the liberals are laughing at that statement. That the So obviously the liberals should not laugh at that, that someone's living in their mom's basement. It's nothing to laugh about. But it's politics. What he's not telling you is not that that guy is in his basement because housing prices are the way they... That guy's in his mom's basement can't afford a house. Because I guarantee you, if you look at that person, and this is the very unpopular thing to say, and you look at all their time and what they're doing with their life, 24 hours a day, the same 24 hours that Elon Musk has and that we have... What are they doing? I bet you any money that it's their fault that they can't afford something. I bet because I've seen it. I agree it. with you. Because I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen people come up to me in some of these condo projects say, oh, is this a scam? We're not going to buy here. It's a scam. I go, what are you talking about? I bought like two units here. Am I getting scammed? Like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, five years later, four years later, the building is ready. People have doubled up their money. They've made crazy money. And they're the, coming back to you for another deal. Or, or now, you know what they say to me? Oh, yeah, it's easy for you to say you have the connections. I go, what are you talking about? I go, my parents didn't contribute anything financially to me. My my parents just came to the car. I'm first generation. I'm the first person in my whole family to be born in Canada. That's pioneer sh- stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it is. <laughs> you know, yeah. There's no con- yeah, there, if there are connections, which there are, 
It's because of the 10 years that I've been paying to paying a thousand bucks to go to the networking event, spending time with people, dinners, lunches, investing in myself to try to be more valuable to society and that I could share those connections. But that those connections don't give me the money to go buy real estate. They don't give me the money to go do this and that. They they can support me the way they can, but they don't. So there's levels to it. And now I'm getting people saying that to me. Now that now my generation, that's 30, they're looking at me. And they're comparing, which they shouldn't be, but they're doing that. They're getting discouraged, and now they're making another, a new excuse as to why they're in the position they're in. Well, that's human nature. That's how it is. Human nature to look at the negative before you look at the positive. And you're 1,000% right. I mean, everybody has the same amount of times daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. We all have the same amount of time. It's what you do with it. So you can complain all you want that you don't think that you have enough time because you've got to work 10 hours on the job site. You've got to deal with weekends and all this other stuff. But there is the time. The time is there to do something else that actually is going to make your life a lot better. You think it's easier for the older generation to tackle the same like to go after these types of investments because they maybe have paid off their mortgage already. So they already have that establishment. They're, they're in a way better position. Yeah. But again, if they don't see it, if they don't choose to see it or understand it, they won't do it. The, the equity in your homes, which is probably going to get taxed very, very soon. They've been talking about it. They've for, been talking about that for a while now. For a while. And, and it's a very unpopular political move. But things could change. And uh, if they tax it, then, you know, that's your only benefit. Like, why, why, do, you think, why do you think the government doesn't tax it now? Because they know you're not going to sell your primary residence as often as you would maybe in an investment. Yeah. It's, they're not doing you any favors. Those people are in a way better position because the money that's in their walls, they can use it. They can, they can do so much with it. And I, I tell my parents to do that all the time try to help them out. I, ch I tell a lot of our, our clients that are in that position to do that. And some of them are getting it. They're seeing it because they're the, they're the type, that generation is the type that they have stable careers. They, they, they know a certain thing and, and they're used to that. And they always wanted to get ahead. A lot of them wanted to get ahead. But the problem is life just added up and things didn't become yep. cheaper. It became more expensive and it, they, it kind of flew past them, it, you know, those opportunities. So now those people either can remain discouraged or can now start and, and start building a legacy because that's what it's all about. A lot of the young guys, I didn't understand this when we were buying, like my, I bought my first condo. Young guys now that are buying stuff, we just sold a condo now to a 21-year-old and he's in construction. So he, they don't understand. We didn't understand that it's about legacy. You just changed your family's history. What our parents told us wasn't possible. You just changed it. Mm -hmm. My dad, who's the biggest critic, the biggest critic, will tell me, like, to my face, you'll never build something. There's no way you could, not because he doesn't love me, but because he says, you can't buy land. You won't be able to afford it, which I already own land. Mm -hmm. So what I did with him a few weeks ago, because now my parents are in that stage of like their oldest left and he's married. And so, you know, you spend more time with them, but you spend it differently. So I told them, I said, why don't you come with me to Aurelia where I have a few properties? And I walked them through the properties. It was a Saturday. My wife was like busy with something else. And I walked them through the properties and my mo my mom and my dad were like, wow, like super motivated, like super pumped about life. So, you know, I was bestowing some of my limited wisdom of saying, guys, your best years are ahead yeah. if you know how to use them. 
if you know how to use them. So you think Matthew secretly, they actually just kept on telling you you can't do it. So then you can do it. No, because I know how my dad is. <laughs> my my mom was different. My mom was different. She would she would push me, motivate. Believe, me. eh? Yeah, my mom would say like I used to love uh like a lot like I I used to love cars like I don't love them as much anymore but I used to really love like the exotic cars so I always wanted to open up a body shop to work on exotic cars but the vision I had for my shop was that it would be so clean you can eat off the floor like that's how I remember my mom saying to me you could do that but. You need to go to university first. I, I know a lot of people say like, you know, university, you don't need it. And, and I, I do agree to an extent that a lot of it is a waste of time and money. Um, and it's, it's another business that you have to just keep in mind. But for a specialized degree or something that you need, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, certain things, you should have those credentials. Yeah. And, the, and what my mom was teaching me was discipline. It wasn't about the degree. It was about sticking through to something. And then, and then also culturally, where we're from, having a university degree does set you apart. So, no, that, that's not why they, they discouraged me. It's that, it's that they didn't, like my dad didn't know better. I don't want to say doesn't because maybe he changed now. Because I saw it in he their saw it. I, I saw it in their face, like the way they were talking. They were pumped like for life after showing them a triplex and a couple properties that were renovated. And I showed them like what we did. And they're like what the heck? Like they got such good ideas that they started asking me about what they could do with their equity. So now you're also going to be getting into the building side of things. So you're going to get, that's the reason for the Terry on. That's the reason for you want to get a better understanding of that side of the business. Exactly. So what I learned was you don't have to know everything. You're going to go develop. I might just be a developer. I might, I might not be on the boots on the ground on the site, but if I hire the right builder, if I hire the right planner, if I hire the right cost consultant, Get the right financing. Why? Successful construction is about hiring the right people. I, th I think everything is. Yeah. Buying real estate. If you don't have a realtor, if you don't have a, if you're still questioning realtors, because there's a lot of bad ones, if you're still questioning mortgage brokers, you just haven't found the right one. You need to have the right team behind you guiding you every step of the way. Matthew, I love it, man. We got to wrap it up. I got the final segment to do, but is there anything else you want? I, this has been an eye-opening show. Thank you so much. I hope that the listeners appreciate all the valuable nuggets that have been expressed here by you. And I'm sure that more than a few of them will reach out to you and discuss even more. And um, makes me motivated as well, too, man, being a Gen Xer. And it's a shame that Carlito missed this one, but I'll tell them all about it. And uh, is there anything else you want to share to them before we wrap it up? I think the biggest thing that for me that was a awakening, it was a breakthrough like moment in my life. Cause I always doubted myself, like, believe it or a lot of people look at what we've, what I've achieved and whatnot. And they go, wow, like this guy has it. And that's not necessarily true. Like I doubted myself every step of the way and I didn't know my worth and things like that. I think the biggest thing, the biggest regret that I have for those years, but it's a regret that I'm going to use for positive purposes going forward is I just wasn't aware enough. I had the opportunities and you might say, but Matt, you have a portfolio. Yeah, but my portfolio might have been 10 times the, the size of it today. I just wasn't aware. I, I just shut things off that I didn't understand or didn't put time enough to research. Somebody but that's asked human me, nature. Like it's we, human nature. There's so much. And, then, and I get what Elon is saying is that there's so much information out there 
that, but that there's also so much misinformation out there. True. And then you could be reading things that are contradictory to other things. And then you could be discouraged and be like, I'm giving up. My hands are up. I don't understand how to move forward on this. And then, but all you really got to do is just reach out to the right person. That's it. And then if that person that you reach out to isn't the right person, then reach out to somebody else, reach out to somebody else. And that's what my show, this show has been doing this all the time. Everybody's always this morning or yesterday, I had a 20 year old electrician reaching out to me going, listen, Manny, do you know anybody that is looking for an apprentice? And I was like, listen, do me a favor. I'll put you in touch with the electricians that have been on the show. And I did exactly that. And he was like very grateful for that. And I'm like, that's what this show does. Everybody's just connecting. You just have to find the right people to make you motivated to move forward. That's all it is, man. You said this was like eye opening for you. This was great for me. I'm 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 teaching myself again. Yeah. That's why we do these things. Like that's why doors open. I mean, you're you're doing a podcast. Like maybe we, you and I would have never met if you didn't start a podcast. No, that, that that's you're true. It's it's a hundred percent for sure. So you you don't know. I I think that's the exciting. Last thing, sorry, I know you want to wrap up. No, no, it's fine. we got time, man. Go ahead. When we were kids and you were in school and you were going on a field trip the next day, you probably couldn't sleep all night. You're excited, <laughs> yeah, right? Let's yeah. be real. You pick yeah. out your clothes. You you want to you yeah. look the best. It's going to yeah. be fun. You probably didn't sleep, but the next day you had all the energy in the world. You weren't tired. How do we get that back? How do we make life exciting? And I And for me... As a, as a spiritual being, as a Christian, as I believe somebody who there is a God and I'm a spiritual being and my potential is limitless, what's exciting is, and I said it earlier, how far can I take this? That's it. I, I do my best. I don't kill myself. I don't beat myself up. I do my best. Here are my goals every day. This is what I want to do. If I do it at 12, uh, 12 p.m., I'm done. If I do it at 9 p.m., I'm done. If I don't finish, great. There's another day tomorrow, hopefully. And that's it. So how do you, in your own life, get that excitement? You're so right, Matthew, because the thing is, sometimes I catch myself reflecting on what I have accomplished, not realizing that when I was younger, I thought to myself, there's no way I can accomplish that. But now that I'm older, I did accomplish it. And I think as we get older, we forget to reflect on what we were able to pull off. And then we also forget to think about what else we can pull off. So what else are we right now that you just said it? Like what other blind spots exist in our lives right now? Right now in today's digital age, you talk about that non-commitment Gen Z world. I think we're too concerned with what others think of us. Oh, 100%. a thousand percent. It's just like we care way too much for strangers to tell us that we can't achieve what we really deep down want to achieve. Instagram is is smoking mirrors. It's a, we okay. know that it's filters to the death. Yeah, is what we, it is. We all know that. I mean, you know, even for you guys meeting partners, meeting one another online, like if the person doesn't look like their profile picture, ask for a refund. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Like, where's the authenticity? It's true. It's uh, true. Or on the flip side. I'm afraid to say something because of how someone's going to perceive it and cancel culture. I'm afraid to talk about my portfolio because everybody around me, including guys with more than me, slightly more, maybe, maybe we surpass them now would say, no, no, don't tell people your business. Don't you, you don't want, you know, sure. There's a fine line of how to go about it, but not, but, but speaking about my portfolio, which I started doing, I think this year, 
I have a podcast now, a YouTube channel. But you're doing clients. it for selfless reasons. You're yeah, doing I'm not it, showing it's a boost. You're educate. Or, yeah. You want to educate people. You you thoroughly believe in the fact that, like you started at the beginning of the show, there's a reason why that person is not motivated to do better, to try better. So you you just want to give people their potential. That's all it is. Yeah, and we were we were going back into high schools before um, COVID, educating the students for free about financial literacy. I kid, you know, my bachelor. Because that's not taught, by the way. And it'll never be taught. And I never understand. Well, I know why, but it it should change. It's not, you know, even though they they passed it in the curriculum last year and there's some math, it's all theory. It's all theory. Of course. Because you know who's the one taking the most notes in the room when we used to go in? The teachers. And I'd give them my card at the end. I go, hey, if you're ever interested, let me know. But like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where if you really want to make something happen, like I truly believe in this moment that I can, I can build a rocket ship. I can, I can go, if I want to go that route and put all my time and energy and effort into that, I'll do it. I do believe in that. Maybe I'll fail. Maybe it won't go as planned, but I can do it. I I do feel like in that mode, like I'm, I'm all for the lessons that you will learn. They're invaluable. Yeah. You know, you spend 500 bucks, you bought a digital piece of thing. Let's see how that works out. Let's understand it better because maybe the goal is not the digital asset. Maybe it's what comes after. Most kids of today are spending 500 bucks with bottle service at a club in one night. Or a thousand, you know, not to knock any, a thousand bucks on like a PS5 or something. Come yeah, on. yeah. Like, you know, I want, I want to get one. It's just priorities. I want to get one eventually when I have money in case somebody comes over, they want to, but I don't have that. Like. Don't, don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't be too tough on yourself. Work hard, play hard, but know, know your limits. Like, I mean, I sound like OLG here, know your limits, but like, (laughs) it's true though. It's true. It's true. Don't, don't try to impress nobody. You know who you have to impress? Your parents who raised you, who wiped Mm -hmm. the, you know what, off your, your butt. And one day they're going to need you to help them. Yeah. Your, you know, that's family. That's how it is. is. Yeah. That's who you have to impress. You have to impress your future self. Who's going to look back and say, I don't have regrets. I did it the best I could. This is what I ended up with, and that's it. Whatever, however it turned out. Well said, man. Well said. One last segment, Matthew. So again, everybody, Millennials Choice Group of Companies, www.millennialschoice.com, and his email is m-a-b-l-a-k-a-n at millennialschoice.com, and his Instagram handle is Matthew at a or sorry, Matthew. How do you pronounce it again? Ablakan. Ablakan. Forgive yeah. me. I'm terrible with names, no, man. No, it's all good. So Matthew Ablakan, which is a b l a k a n. Now, you could Google us. Millennials choices on there too, on Instagram, and we reply very, very quickly. Awesome, man. Uh, Ten questions of construction. You ready for this? Sure. I'm curious about what you're gonna say. Right. What is your favorite construction word? Favorite construction word. <laughs> what do I say to this? I don't know. I don't know. Building. Building. What's your least favorite construction word? Least favorite construction words. How about construction costs? Mm, it works. <laughs> There's a hyphen. <laughs> it works. What turns you on in construction? The opportunity. The opportunities. Yeah, yeah. What turns you off in construction? All those moments that you pull your hair out. <laughs> uh, we don't have to answer this one. I have a question here. It's uh, what's your favorite curse word? But we've been keeping this this show very clean, so we don't have to answer it. Yeah, you know, you know the curse word thing is interesting because. It's a, I, you know, I, I never had a problem with it before. I'm going to be really quick, but I never had a problem with it before. And then, and then obviously as I get into faith and things like that, I realize 
there's an, there's an ancient proverb that says, you're going to curse with your mouth the same mouth that you're going to praise your God. For those of you who aren't religious or faithful, you're going to curse with the same mouth you kiss your mother with. Just a, just a two cents no, there. Two cents. Very valuable <laughs> two cents. What's your favorite vehicle in the entire world? Yeah, Lamborghini. I've loved them <laughs> since I was a kid. What's your least favorite vehicle? Any kind of, um, oh, what's it called? Station wagon. <laughs> they don't make those anymore. I hate them. The, I, the ones from like, uh, like uh, what's National Lampoons? Yeah. Oh my gosh. The wood any, paneling? Any kind of station wagon. Like my, my dad had a dark brown Chevy Malibu station wagon. I hate them. Yeah. I just, well, the only thing I did like about the station wagons is the window on the back where you had the button and it can come down. Thankfully, we never had one in our family, <laughs> but I just seeing them, I just made my skin itchy. <laughs> What construction sound or noise do you love? The construction sound or noise that I love. You know, probably just, again, because the nostalgia, the moment the first shovel hits the ground. The start of process. The start. What construction sound or noise do you hate? The drilling. Just the hammering. Hammering. It's happening that. now in this building. Is it? They're still working? There's a new unit just uh, three doors down. And they're just... They just started now. He, he delayed it. And all day long? I, all day long. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I would like to create a piece of technology. Tech. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Cleaning. And the last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well done, my good and faithful servant. <laughs> Matthew, it's been a pleasure to meet you finally, and it's been a pleasure speaking to you for the last hour and a half. And I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And I know the listeners are gonna they're gonna take this, man. They're gonna enjoy this one. Thank you. And yeah. off air, we were talking about a few things for all the listeners. Manny really cares. Like, that's, <laughs> Thanks, man. It was my first time meeting him. I hope we could do this again. And. Uh, Smash that like button. Share it with your friends. Oh, for sure. For sure we will, man. I'll come back. I know you've already invited me on your podcast, yes. so I'll come back and, and come on your show. And then I'm sure that maybe in the next year, next year we'll get you back on the show and we'll talk more business. Let's do it. And see how other people are. Maybe even get some people that listen to this show and they were really interested and reached out to you. Do I have to sing again? No, you don't have to <laughs> sing again. No, not at all. But everyone, please check it out again. Uh, www.millennialschoice.com. And his email again is M-A-B-L-A-K-A-N at millennialschoice.com. C-A. Yes. Thank you. We are out of here, man. Thank you.